You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Broadway Gives Back is launching a new series called the United Nations Global Goals, where we talk about tackling the world's to-do list and making our planet a better place. I'm joined by my passionate co-host and friend, Anika Larson, who was a guest on this podcast last year and introduced me to the Global Goals. Anika is an amazing actor, a Tony Award nominee, and a devotee of the climate revolution. We decided to work together on this series and bring in guests to talk about the ways in which we can all make small changes, but for the greater good. Hi, Anika. Hi, Jan. So good to see you. So good to see you. Our guest today is a good friend of mine and a true activist for social impact. Laura Bell Bundy is also an actress, a recording artist, a singer-songwriter, a director, a producer, and a podcaster. Broadway fans will know her as Tina in Ruthless, Amber in Hairspray, Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, where she was nominated for a Tony Award, and she played Glinda in Wicked. She started her own foundation called Women of Tomorrow, which works to raise the social consciousness by bringing awareness to women's issues through art, education, and community. Laura Bell, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. My pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me. It is so nice to have like you two amazing women here um, on this podcast where we're going to talk about many things, including gender equality and, um, you know, how to make the world a better place. So mm-hmm. th- thank you. Now, obviously, Laura, we've been friends for a long time, um, but I want to make sure that everybody knows you. So I thought maybe we could play a little icebreaker game and that will also help you and Anika know each other a little better too. Okay. Um, are, you get, are you down for that? Sure. I'm always okay. down for games. Yes, you are. All right. So first thing that comes in your head, um, and Anika and I'll take turns um, asking you questions. Okay. Um, what are three words that you would say describe you? Fun, um, uh, reflective, and um, determined. You have played some fabulous women. What would be your dream role to play that you haven't played yet? 
Oh, you know, I always, you know, people ask me that question and sometimes I think that role hasn't been created yet um, because I, I have mostly done uh, roles that hadn't, but I will say if it has been created, I have a couple of like top three. Um, and people might be surprised to hear this, but I would, I would love to play Mama Rose because yeah. I had one. And I understand that <laughs> psyche so well. And yeah. I understand like the emotional weight and underbelly of that and the, the yeah. psychosis of it. And so anyway, I would love to play Mama Rose. So that's the, that's the quickest, easiest answer. That is, a, I must play that role before I die. I feel like that's going to happen for you. Mm -hmm. I do. She's I'm not worried about that one. Because it she's, de be like she's determined. She's determined. Somewhere, but it'll, because <laughs> I am determined. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so I've known you before you were a mom, but I want to ask you, how would you say motherhood and family life has changed you? Oh, God. Um, in, in, in countless ways, um, it's hard to even measure. Um, I think the biggest has been sort of like really, truly understanding what the experience of being a woman is um, in terms of uh, what it's like to um, bear the care, the role of like unpaid caregiver. Um, and no matter how balanced your relationship is and, and, and how wonderful your partner may be, um, there's just these sort of unspoken things that get thrown on the side for the woman. I've never yeah. I've never had more to-dos in my life. And I'm a person <laughs> that enjoys being more than doing. And so yeah. that has been a shift. But I've also seen sort of my capacity for love um, expand and, and my sense of compassion for all other mothers out there, my understanding for my own mother um, and every mother that ever existed. It's such an incredible gift to be able to have that understanding and that wisdom. And so that's, I think the biggest thing is I've just been stretched. I've just been, my capacity for love and understanding has been completely stretched. And it's also allowed me to fight for what I think women deserve um, who have entered motherhood. And I, I think we deserve a lot. And I don't think we, we have all that we deserve yet. And so that's changed me. And the other thing that's changed me is I'm quite a bit more selective than I used to be. I say no a lot more because I'm looking at, you know, my time is valuable because it's needed by this young person. And this is how I want it. This is how I want to show up as a mom and doing all these other things isn't going to allow me to do that. So sometimes I'm going to have to say no to that job or no to that free reading or no to whatever, mm -hmm. um, because it's just not going to allow me to be the kind of mom I want to be and the kind of partner I want to be. So that leads to our next question pretty nicely, which is what do you most give a damn about? Well, I, you know, I mean, the thing that is, uh, that I just have a bleeding heart for, um, is, is equality, right? So mm -hmm. I, I care the most about equality um, for all people. Um, and I have focused very much on um, women and people who identify as women um, 
for uh, for for fighting for that. I mean, I feel like I I wake up every day and I'm I'm eating and breathing and and sleeping um, women's equality and empowerment and how I can help and what kind of art I can make to make that happen. Mm. So that's the thing that is my passion um, in my life. And I got to say, I don't, it wasn't always this way. I mm. like, was struck by lightning or something. I mean, I literally, I'd make a joke. I hit my head on the glass ceiling and like everything changed. <laughs> and, um, and that's, and that happened in for many people around the same time, which was the end of 2016. But then 2017, I did something about it. And that's that determination in me um, and the fire that like I have an idea and I like to see those through. And so um, that led to um, doing a concert called Double Standards where Broadway actors came together and did a duet on a jazz standard in the name of women's rights and health. And so that was, my motto was, we can march, but they ain't see nothing till they hear us sing. Mm. Yes. Um, you know, and so that was like my form of a march. So that's where it all yeah. began. And then it kind of just like a domino effect happened after that. Um, but when you're, when you asked me the question and how did you word it again? What do you most give a damn about? When I think about it personally, mm. um, I care about empathy and compassion a lot. Mm. Like those are things I really care about. Mm. And I think it at the root of it, it's that when we can't empathize and we can't have compassion for others, then we can't see the need for equality, right? So there's like, it's at the root of the underbelly mm. is like, mm. is like, empathy and understanding and, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I care about. Mm -hmm. And that impacts so many other, you know, things to care about as well, not just equality. And I'm not saying just equality, like it's not important, but it impacts right. so many other causes and important things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as an actor, I have to empathize. It's my mm -hmm. whole damn job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That is my job. I, I, I have to understand what it feels like to be in many different shoes. And what I have learned is that we are all capable of everything. Mm. If you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? So I, I really do think that it would be so helpful for men and women to mm -hmm. swap places for a day. Mm -hmm. And so that we can truly understand what it's like to walk in each other's shoes. And we can also see it's like- the It's the heels. Where are the heels? The heels or the heels. Um, yeah. Or we can see how just unnecessary gender norms are. Um, yeah. And these gender rules that like are entrapping us and keeping us from being our authentic selves. But mm. I think I would, I really think that person would be my husband. I really mm. think that that- that would be interesting to just see what it would be like to be mm -hmm. and to see myself through his eyes too. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And otherwise I think um, I might pick someone like quite awful. 
in a place <laughs> of power yeah. and just try to, because it's really about understanding, right? So mm. I would just pick like someone I can't really relate to and hate terribly. I don't hate anyone, but there's people <laughs> I just really think could do better. <laughs> Um, well, thank you for answering those questions. That was so interesting. Um, I thought I knew you so well and I learned more. Um, let's talk a little bit about your career because, I mean, you've done everything. You do everything. It's not even like you've done it. You still do it. And, um, and you do it all with such grace and such determination, back to that word. Um, but I wondered, music, film, TV, theater, like, is there like a compare and contrast kind of feeling you have about those different um, art forms and and how do you like is there one art form that you prefer over another or is it is it changing all the time how do you feel you want to do it all I know you want to do it all well it's all creative right like Mm -hmm. it's all coming from that same space which is to um to become something someone else and something else and to like shape a story so I, I, I always say like, as a, as a, as a creator, I love telling stories with music. That's my favorite thing to do. And whether that's in musical theater or a music video or a song or, um, you know, whatever that I love that. Um, but there is no greater form for me of entertainment that I enjoy more than live a live performance. So whether that's a concert or whether that's um, a musical or a play, the exchange of love between the actors and the audience is just like getting high. You know, it's, that's what it is. I mean, it's just, everybody is like preparing. So the actors are preparing something beautiful, the crew, everybody, and they give it to the audience. The audience responds with clapping or laughter that actors feel energized by that they give more and then by the end of it everybody is like on cloud nine and that's why we can't go to sleep for three hours and we end up ordering rays (laughs) (laughs) but uh but that to me will nothing will ever compare ever it never has it never will and it's like home for me now because i've been doing it since i was a child so i'm sometimes more comfortable on the stage than i am anywhere else You've also been able to combine your career with your philanthropic efforts. And we're going to talk a lot about this, but I just wanted to go a little back in time because I think when I met you, you were really focused on arts education with our mutual friend, Paul Kanan. Um, And you were really giving it back to the next generation of, of future artists and creators. Um, so I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about sort of the arts ed piece of your social impact work, because I think that was also very important. Um, and you made such a big contribution in that area. And I still do. And I you still, still do. I still do like uh, master classes. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, and I don't know, Anika, if this happened to you, but during the pandemic, everybody was reaching out. All these different Broadway services were like, will you teach a private lesson or what you teach, what you talk to these kids who didn't get to do their play. Um, And so it kind of put me back into that spot where I was doing that a little bit more regularly. And, and so, 
I think a few times a year I'll go to a place and I'll do a master class and I'll work with the students. Um, and I really, really enjoy it because going back to that empathy piece, mm -hmm. I can teach other kids to have empathy for not only themselves and their experience and, and accept all of their emotions and see that their every emotion they have is usable when they're uh, a young actor. Um, hmm. In fact, you know, we can't have a life of comfort as actors because we won't have the range of emotions we need to have and understand when we're on the stage. We have to make a mess of our lives and have people <laughs> betray us and stuff so we can feel what that feels like. Um, so I explain that to them uh, a lot. And I, I just, I really, really enjoy uh, them and their energy and their eagerness and it always gets me back to like the root of why we do this in the first place and it's that state of play it's that state of joy it's that sense of community and so for me even though while it appears as if i'm there to give back i'm always sort of like reinfused and reinvigorated by their energy and passion and love of theater. So I love doing that and I will always do that in a part of my life. And I, and I, I've learned a lot about what I think actors need in regards to a process. And I hope one day I can develop that for a university or something with a real program that has an entryway into New York and doesn't just have people graduating with no idea what the hell what to do, which is what's hence happened. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to design that, but that's in the future, I guess. Okay. Well, you put it out here now. Um, <laughs> manifest, we'll manifest it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so let's, we're going to talk about women of tomorrow because I think it's so important, but I want to talk a little bit and have Anika introduce the global goal number five, which is gender equality. And, um, as part of that conversation, we'd love to ask you more questions about women of tomorrow and the work you're doing there. So I'm going to throw to you, Anika, to lead this part of the conversation. Thank you. Yeah. So that global goal number five is gender equality. And so I'll also be talking with you about that on the Broadway vlog to save the planet. Um, so folks can click on that after they're done with this podcast. Um, but so that global goal is to achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. 
Um, and something that I think is really important with this global goal is they, you know, they were created for all 193 UN nations to sign off on. So often the language is broad um, so that people can really tailor it to their particular country and culture. Um, and I think that one of the things that is a criticism of this goal and is valid is that it doesn't talk about people who are not on the binary. It doesn't talk about people. Uh, I, I just, so I always want to make clear that I think we have to insist that this global goal also means that gender equality is equality for all genders and that we're working for equal rights and respect and empowerment for people regardless of their place on the gender spectrum and regardless of the gender of the people they love, because that's not discussed in any of the other global goals, which somehow in 17 goals managed to sort of fold in all of our world's problems. So this is where we talk about that, um, uh, because we are able to in this country, other countries, they're not able to. So, mm-hmm. um, so we, so we must, um, but yeah, so we would, I would really love to hear. I'm just fascinated by Women of Tomorrow, which is your nonprofit that you started, and also your podcast that you have right here on the Broadway Podcast Network. That's love. right. Um, so tell everybody what that is and why you started it. It was a, a really organic thing, and it it just sort of, like I said, it was there was a domino effect. I did that concert at the town hall, double standards, and after that. You know, a lot of people are like, are you going to make an album of this? And and I thought, well, yeah, like we can do an album of these performances. But as a songwriter, mm. <laughs> I was taking mm. like the style of a jazz standard and going like, well, what yeah. about equal pay? <laughs> like, yeah. I started writing um, songs that dealt specifically with issues that women are dealing with. And, and it gets more broad in that we're dealing with beauty standards as well. And we're dealing with um, uh, uh, women and and consuming, which is, I think, the most fascinating topic. And I love to talk about it. And I'm happy to talk about it here. And I think that it it impacts the environment hugely. Um, And, uh, but anyway, I, so I, we started to delve into this and I, um, and I say we, because I, I had, uh, a songwriting partner, Shay Carter, who was writing the lyrics with me, and um, Jeremy Edelman, who was um, writing the music with us and producing the album with us and orchestrating the album. And he was amazing. And so we worked on this, and I was pregnant, and then I mm. had my son, and uh, and I was not finished with the album. So I did half the album pregnant and half in postpartum. <laughs> <laughs> And then put it out during the pandemic. So, um, and then, then, you know, when talking like, you know, with Broadway Podcast Network about wanting to do a podcast, it's like, you know, I, yes, I would love to do a a podcast about Broadway and people's processes. That's something I'd love to do at some point. But the thing that was on my mind was women's rights. And there's just this, this, what I was putting into my brain. And so when I started the podcast, I thought, well, this is a great way to take each song and we play each song and we'd say, okay, you know, this song is called Sick of Saying Sorry. And now let's go into the history of why women apologize in the first place. Well, women apologize in the first place because of the violence that has been done against them. The earliest known law code, Mesopotamia 2400 BC states, if a woman speaks out of turn, her teeth will be smashed by a brick. Mm. Then we've got women who were beheaded, put in bedlam, called witches, whatever, for speaking out 
being different. And so that we have to be in this place of subservience to say, I'm sorry, I'm disarming, don't hurt me. And now we have this thing that perpetuates where we're in a state of quite literally shame by saying, I'm sorry. And so, and then we have a guest on to talk about how we can get out of that. And so that was the podcast. That is the podcast that still exists. And we've been doing hysterically historical during the month of March. Um, <laughs> and what I noticed is, from doing concerts and doing albums in the podcast is that women were getting really fired up and not really having an action plan necessarily. Mm. And so Shay, my partner and I, we had, we had started the, the foundation of women of tomorrow around the time we put out the podcast, but we were more focused on how we could do concerts to raise money for other organizations supporting women essentially. And then we decided like, let's be, the PBS of female empowerment, <laughs> you know, let's create a platform where women can, can come to activate their activism. They can go to over 30 classes a, uh, a month. There's, there's yoga, there's meditation, there's time management classes. There's classes on negotiation. There's classes on parenting. There's classes on whatever we have communicating in a way you can be heard. Um, we have real love has boundaries. We, we kind of look at the top 10 things women need. And then we ask our community of women, you know, what do you need? And then we will create a class for it by experts, life coaches. We have a NASA scientist that literally did a class the other day on the um, science of empowerment. Hmm. and broke down the science of power and what that Ooh. means and how hmm. to harness that yourself. People were like, what? <laughs> um, and what's great about it is like, so we, we, we had this idea a year ago to do this. And, and I think sometimes some ideas are meant to happen, right? Because the door is open. And then we met an app creator who was like, here, let me give you give you this to use for your wow. community. It's amazing. And then I have all of these incredible female experts that are like, let me donate my time. Um, and, and so, uh, we have, we were able to launch this in January. It's an app and an online community where, um, we can learn about, so we have Female Fight Club where we learn about all of the different various issues that women are facing today, but the facts, the statistics, the roots of it, the history of it, how it's perpetuating, um, which politicians are supporting which policies, um, what, et cetera, et cetera, to give you what you need. We have activism sheets. So we have a pre-written letter of how to reach out to your um, congressperson or Senate, what to say, what to do, mm -hmm. what not to do. If you set up a meeting, um, links to where you can click to get the phone number for your reps. Um, so we try mm -hmm. to give as many tools as we can to help activate the activism. And uh, like I mentioned before, we started the podcast today, yesterday, um, we had our Female Fight Club was dedicated to gun violence and what can you do because of, of what had recently happened and the um, traumatic events that took place this week. And so um, 
we we like to respond in that way on the activism side. And then on the intervism side, it's like a self-help junkies paradise. Um, but this month coming up in April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. We're very much focused on that. And we have um, a lot of classes around trauma healing and um, and the history and the root of it and policies of it. And, and so... Um, I'm like wow. so deep into this. It's crazy. And then yeah. I, I just did um, shake your moneymaker Zumba with. <laughs> um, yeah, you did. Classes. Wait, wait, and go back to, go back to the idea of activism and innervism. I love that. Right. So um, we, we, this was us just talking and I'm like with Shay, it was like, it's, it's like activism and innervism. And she was like, what? And we looked it up, word does not exist. So we uh, created this word. Um, the idea is that it is the internal work that we do to become fully empowered. It's like the mind, body, and spirit of activism. So, and I look at it in, in, in a couple of ways. It's giving women the tools they need to feel successful mind, body, and spirit, and that being the greatest form of resistance. But it's also the idea that we must question our beliefs. We must do the inner work. We must do the unlearning, right? Because when we see, when we talk about, when we say women of tomorrow is is working to change the social consciousness around women's issues the social consciousness is what we all believe women are worth where women should be and these belief systems happen in the family nucleus in the home they happen in the school they happen on tv and in media and and then these they get reinforced and then we we almost like zombies go along with it right and then we look at our lives and we're like am i happy is am i empowered well i'm not and i always think like this this is like an acting thing really thoughts make you feel emotions and emotions create uh the the motivation to act right mm. and that's our behavior and when we get in this habit of of be behavior um, that then becomes habit, it is coming from a belief, a belief. The belief is making you have that behavior. And then the belief was a thought first. And that thought is coming from somewhere. And is that thought yours? Or was it your mother's or father's or grandmother's or, or something you learned on TV about who women are and where they're supposed to be and what's okay to be a lady or not be a lady or don't say this or don't say that or wait to be um, spoken to until you speak or any of these things that is now a belief for you that you're now teaching your child. So that's also part of the innervism work. <laughs> a little heady. No, I and I I love that you created a word and that word is so spot on for what you just described. Um, I think that needs to be in the 
in the Urban Dictionary. Um, but activism, innovism, I, 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 I've learned a lot today. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I also really appreciate, um, because there is, it, 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 there is work that we all need to be doing, and there is discussion that we all need to be having, but also at the end of the day, we need to be acting. And so often we just don't know how or what to be doing. So I love mm. that you are offering up to people and making it easy for people, serving it up to people, ways to act. That's huge. And that's, that goes back to the global goals, because in a yeah. way, that's like this to-do list, right? That's very practical, that people can make it their own and do what they need, you know, what, they, what they're moved to do. Um, yeah, and, and they offer the targets, and, yeah. then they, and then they tell you what you can do as an individual or a school or a business, um, because, yeah, there's only so much that anyone talking about it is going to get anything done. What are we going to do about it? So much of what you talked about with regard to um, to the women's issues is also very relevant to the other 16 global goals. And they're all um, so interconnected. But, so and intersectional. Yeah. yeah. And solving any of them, you're solving all of them. Women are hit harder than anyone by women and, and BIPOC poor communities are all hit hardest by climate stuff. But then we also see everywhere that when women are empowered and when women are educated, their societies always fare better. Yes. And I'm going to, if you're comfortable, talk a little bit about um, women, women do have a great power to impact both the environment and other women. While we might be 51% of the population and only have 25% of the seats of power in Senate and Congress and beyond and, you know, 15% of Fortune 500 companies being run by women, women are 80% of the consumers in the world. Mm. There is nothing more powerful than a boycott. When women use the power they have they're buying power they can i always call it we can buy the change we wish to see in the world mm -hmm. um we can purchase or or not buy in terms of or not buy, right? right yeah or not buy, right, right? Yeah. so the idea is like let's do the research to find out are the places that we're buying products from having good practices for women and the environment and women that are in impacted in in countries that are working in sweatshops and beyond and and that's contributing to sex trafficking if we can if we can do the research to understand the domino effect of our purchase at old navy mm -hmm. yeah and then go okay well i'm going to buy secondhand or i'm going to buy from these companies and i'm going to change mm -hmm. the culture here and i'm going to wear what i already wore to an event mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, literally wearing the same outfit on a red carpet. Mm -hmm. we talked, yes. We've talked about that. That's so interesting. I want to tell a quick story because one of my really close friends um, listens to this podcast and she just told me the story yesterday morning. So she and her husband were here in New York. This is for you, Jody, by the way. Um, and her husband forgot his shaving cream. So they had been out for dinner and they were going to walk back to the hotel they were in and just stop at a pharmacy and get some shaving cream. So they walk by a Walgreens and he starts to walk in and she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not shopping at Walgreens. No. We are not shopping at Walgreens. And he's like, it, he's like, Jody, it's 11 o'clock at night. Where, what are we going to do? She goes, nope. She 
goes on her phone, finds a CVS. It was still like a half a mile away. <laughs> but they walked to the CVS. They bought the shaving cream at CVS, and she refused to shop at Walgreens or Dwayne Reed, which is actually you know, owned by Walgreens. And I just want to say kudos to Jody for that. And it is a perfect example of exactly what you were talking about, how women have the power from a consumer perspective to either support or not support um, a company or a brand that is, um, you know, is, is, doesn't have the beliefs that you want to um, promote. Right. Yeah, and I think um, it's, um, not everybody has the luxury of That's being true. able to, uh, often these choices are more expensive, right? The, the, the more um, responsible companies, it costs money to be responsible, right? If something is very, very cheap, someone somewhere is suffering for it. So, but we also understand why some people must. And so um, I think that um, it's, it is so important for those of us who have the luxury in whatever the ways that we, we can do, and then also grant grace to the people who are just trying to get through the, their day um, and um, uh, feed their families. Um, but, um, but when those of us who can do, um, the more of us that do, then the prices come down for everybody. So um, really, I, just, I, th I think you're so smart, uh, Laura, to be talking about um, how we really are voting with our dollars. We're voting for the kind of world we want um, when we when we buy, and and those that kind of voting is often even more powerful than voting at the polls. Yeah, and I also think we can stop drinking the Kool Aid of consumption. Yeah, we can we can stop feeling like we need to have a new outfit every day. Like we yeah. can stop saying I'm not going to be enough without those shoes because you know you are. And if you don't know you are, let me just tell you right now, you are. One of the things that I was going to say around, you know, women in consumerism is it also means they know this. Marketing agents know these statistics. Yeah. And so women are marketed to in a way that's like you are not enough without this product. Whole industries were created with marketing plans of like make her feel special with that diamond because we just found a diamond mine, you know, like <laughs> it wasn't even a thing. Uh, diamond rings, right? But it's marketed. It's like she's got it, so you must have it. Let's compete with each other as women. Um, but I think there's it will be we will save more money too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And this. This the consumption is actually killing us. Yes, it is. Um, it's such a direct line. So that if we all, I often think about it when it's really sort of hard to. It feels like overwhelming. Of like, but what do I do? If you just, in general, as a rule of thumb, think consume less. Whatever the thing is, if you consume less plastic, less gas, less electricity, less water, less meat, less everything. Yes, less clothes, less, less textiles. If you just consume less, um, the planet benefits so massively that, 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 and we all benefit so massively that actually, and actually I, I, I suspect we'd all be happier. We'd all feel better. Um, so yeah, it's, it, but it's switching that it's a cultural mind shift, right? It's a it's mind a switching shift. of a, yeah. And it's almost like, you know, there's the whole retail therapy, um, that feeling you get, right? You need that fulfillment, yeah. that gratification from buying something. And I certainly yeah. know I, I feel that way. Yeah. But if you think about it, you flip it so that 
there's it's also scientifically proven that if you do good, you release these yeah. other chemicals, right? That are also happy making chemicals in your in your brain. And so you're yeah. kind of exchanging that that momentary retail therapy gratification for a different kind of chemical release that's also a gratification. So you're not even giving up the good feeling inside you, you know, the endorphins or whatever they are. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I would venture to guess there's a scientific sort of quid pro quo with, you know, giving up the consumerism and the good feeling that you get by doing that. I actually went to a lecture on the science of happiness. And one of the things they say that's really interesting is that it's the first time you experience something that you get the most endorphins or whatever the chemicals are that are released. So the first time you drive your new car, and then after that, it's the law of diminishing returns. The first time you wear that outfit. So that really, um, it, it, because it is so diminishing, it doesn't actually serve you to keep buying you, but they, that keeps you wanting a new fix, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't actually, the, at, in, at the end of the day, price per wear, price per drive, price per whatever. Um, yeah, that it's it's experience, it's interconnectedness that is the kind of joy that that really pays off. Well, I think that's where I think that's where gratitude sort of comes into play here too. And this idea of you were talking about empathy, but I feel like empathy is sort of sisters with gratitude and being grateful. Um, and I feel like that also um, is empowering. To women, right? To be able to be empathetic is one thing, but also to be able to be grateful for and be present, you know, and as actors, both of you would understand that better than I would. But this idea of being present and being conscious of the moment and, and what's happening. Um, yeah. Well, that's, we're back to intervism, right? That's intervism, where we're back. Yeah, there is, we are. And that's where the, yeah, where the real joy or even discontentment, you know, peace Mm -hmm. where that is found. Uh. I, w I was also just thinking about the other global goals. And, you know, we've talked about um, on different podcasts, we've talked about hunger and poverty and education. And so many of these are so related to gender equality. Um, and I think so much of what you just said, Laura, is, it, it, I mean, I'd like to take it back to those podcasts too. And, um, and, that, and that whole idea of, activism, having an action plan, and the intervism, you know, which is that um, that works, you know, sort of, you know, symbiotically with that action plan. Mm -hmm. Listen, you know, you saying this is striking me because as we, as a foundation, and we're offering these courses, I mean, I'm constantly putting connections together between the different issues that we have. Um, globally and generally, but also for women. So, you know, um, one in four women experience domestic violence. Now that's uh, in their lifetimes. Um, and that might be a U.S. statistic. That might not be a global statistic. Um, but the number one reason for female homelessness in our country is domestic violence. And here's another stat that feels kind of connected. 80% of all single parents are mothers. Mm -hmm. And 23% of those single mothers um, are living below the poverty line. And that means their children are. 
And that also means chances are there is domestic violence. And the age group of the women that are living below the poverty line is the same age group of women that are most impacted by domestic violence, which is 18 to like, I want to say 25. And that's young children living there. So we really want to improve this. We've got to talk about where does it come from? Where does homelessness come from? Mm -hmm. And where are the different places that it comes from? And how can we then, and how, how can we raise an entire generation of men um, to not use abuse as a form of love, you know, within a relationship? And that's going to come from the home too. Um, and also the way, well, you know, many different things. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert in that, in that field of, of what could be done, but I definitely am seeing these connections. And now that we have Roe v. Wade overturned, we're going to have a lot more single mothers out there. Mm -hmm. And are these statistics going to get worse when it comes to poverty and hunger and education? Yeah. And like, and, and, you know, one of the things that I find so fascinating when you look at the timeline of like rights that women have gotten, um, in the last 150 years, um, is you see the seventies were a huge time for, um, women getting rights, um, Seven, you know, 1965, birth control was legal, but only for married couples. And in 1973, it became uh, legal for uh, single women. And birth, so birth control and Roe v. Wade was 1973. 1974 was women being able to take out a credit card or a bank loan without the permission of their husband or father. Oh, right. I know that seems like way too close to now, right? Like you're like, what? No wonder my mom felt like she had to get married in 1973. Guys, I was in middle school when this was happening, you know? And I was like, I can't believe it was in my lifetime that that existed, you know? Yeah. It's bananas. And, and well, here's, well, I'll give you that. So I want to say, so the connection with the seventies is that you see, um, like women graduating college in droves. We also had Title IX that was passed in the 60s, I believe, that a, like you couldn't discriminate um, of any federal funded educational program on the basis of sex. So you have women going to college and graduating because they were able to have birth control. And then you see them entering the workforce in droves in the 80s and then getting in places of ma management in the workforce in the 90s and beyond. So how does it impact us now when we have Roe v. Wade overturned? How does that impact um, women graduating and entering the workforce and making contributions and what inventions aren't going to be made and which sciences yeah. aren't going to make discoveries and like, you know, things like that are, <laughs> keep me up at night. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to bring this back to Broadway for a second. And then, um, and then I want to uh, ask you for some advice. Um, so with regard to gender equality and Broadway, 
would either of you, what are some themes that you two um, would want to call out or some issues that you think still exist or some progress that's been made? I just, I'd love to get some of your observations um, about gender equality and Broadway. Listen, we all know um, men have been in positions of power most of the time in most industries. Um, In our industry, I think when it comes to female empowerment, it would be really amazing to see more female directors running ships. And But we, we are seeing things change. I am seeing more female directors and more female music directors. Mm. Um, and designers. And designers, right? Um, and that's amazing. And, uh, and so I do think that that, hopefully that continues and hopefully that's women of color as well. Um, and I think for me, what I've most closely noticed because I'm an actor is the roles that have evolved of like the women's role in this is, uh, the side pretty girl, the ingenue. We have a word for it. It's called the ingenue. It's the most boring effing part in the show. And it's the one in love with the guy, mm-hmm. right? And it's the heart of the show. And the, but, but so for me, I always personally rejected that. I'm like, can you just give me like the, like, the funny girl that has like, you know, the, that has some fire and, um, and I see those evolving too. Like from when I started in in this business, um, the roles and you look at like revivals of shows and they always feel like they're, um, the girl's whole job in the show is pining for a man. Um, and so that's where I, I'm excited to see that evolving and hoping that we continue to write really strong, multidimensional roles for women. Like Eliza in Hamilton or like Lucy I even in Parade. Think, I got to say, I think she's pining for a guy the entire show, I have to say. Yeah, but at the end of the day, look how strong she was. And I know, uh, but I also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole it, damn show was about him and then they, they gave her a cherry on top and said, look, we are <laughs> all about female equality. Um, but she's not on the show in equal parts. Controversy. Oh, but that's history, right? But that's history. She wasn't allowed to be back then. If you're telling the story of women back then, it wouldn't be honest if you were trying to say she was allowed to do more than just be a wife. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And and we are, but and we are seeing things evolve. You know. Yeah, and I guess also I would add one more category to your. I'd like to see more women um, in roles as theater owners oh that'd be wonderful and And investors yeah yeah more female investors producers i still um, want a female producers yeah yeah Yeah. um but at the end of the day you know theater owners i mean that's you know that's i don't think i don't know that there are any women who are super high up in that area but anyway um and then i have another question and that um you know people listening to this podcast are um are your fans 
um, or people who hopefully want to just do good things in the world, um, what advice would you give them specifically in the area of gender equality and with regard to women of tomorrow? Um, what, are, what, what would you say to people who, um, who want to give back or want to do good or want to be philanthropic? There's so many different words for, for that activism um, or innervism. I think education is such an important part of, uh, you know, educating ourselves about the issues that women are facing, leaning in and asking women, um, women of different socioeconomic backgrounds and races, what their experience is like. Um, hire women, um, you know, lean in, hire women, support women. Um, if you're, if I think, you know, we, we say in women of tomorrow, there's many different ways to be an activist and it just depends on your particular skill set and your particular talents. And if you're an artist, you have an opportunity to open hearts by telling stories and you can change minds. Once you've opened a heart, you can't do it before then. And so art has this great ability and comedy has a great ability to make impact. So if you're an artist, um, create art that, um, that, that is empowering for women or sheds light on women's issues because you can make impact that way. Um, if you, um, if you're wealthy, fund female businesses, focus on the products that you uh, can, you know, make the shift of purchasing versus not like we talked about, like, you know, your buying power. Um, um, if, you know, get involved in organizations that are already doing great work, volunteer. Um, where, where else? If you, um, if you are a parent and, um, you can teach your child about consent and what that means. You can teach your child about anti-racism and how that works. And you can do the work to learn how to talk to your kid about it. And if you don't have tools, we have classes for how to talk to your kids mm -hmm. about consent and how to talk to your kids about anti-racism if you're interested in that. But there, there's such a great opportunity if you're a parent to impact the world in a positive way and impact women in a positive way by how you function in your own home and children see and pick up everything they learn everything from what they see around them so if they only see mom doing the cooking and the cleaning then they'll think that that's mom's job and that's all women's job if mom is doing the lifting back and forth like if there's you know what I mean? There's, there's mm -hmm. that yeah. kind of thing. And then the biggest thing is examine your own beliefs. Where did I learn this? Where did I learn yeah. this thing? I think about women, mm -hmm. you know, and this is kind of going hand in hand with, um, the work that, that we've done to do some unlearning around racism in the last few years. So many of us didn't know what we did not know. Mm -hmm. But it is important that we lean in and we figure out what we don't know and we ask the questions and we stay curious. Um, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right. Nobody is. But um, uh, it's it's important to, to um, give grace to one another as we learn and keep trying to improve and do the work. 
Those are perfect last words. So I'm going to leave it there. Mic drop. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. And um, Anika, thank you for co-hosting with me. And I look forward to talking about more global goals, um, but it was great to talk about gender equality today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate Broadway Gives Back wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow me on Facebook at Jan Friedlander Weiss and on Instagram at Jan for Good. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, along with their team of amazing collaborators and wonderful humans. To learn more about this podcast and other Broadway podcasts, visit bpn.fm slash broadwaygivesback. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.